there's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. There's a spirit in the Texas Tech Red Raiders. For the second time in three years, are headed to the College World Series. Welker takes it at the 11. New routines pave the way. The 3540. He's in midfield. The 3540. He may go. 25-10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Welcome in everybody to the Talk of Tech Podcast, powered by Guns Up Nation, part of the Guns Up Nation Podcast Network. I am your host, Stephen Rodriguez, my co-host, Tristan McGonigal. Tristan, Texas Tech is in the Sweet 16. I was about to say, you should have worded it as welcome to the Sweet 16 edition of Talking Tech Podcast. There you go. Well, our first you can ever, do the intro next time. This is our first ever Sweet 16 podcast. Yes, it is. Since we've had the pod, we have been knocked out by Arkansas last year, and now we are in the Sweet 16. This is a wonderful time to have a Texas Tech podcast. Yes, yeah, last night I would say was a just a prime time to be a Texas Tech fan. Oh, yeah, with UT going down and with us moving on, uh, I mean, you couldn't have scripted it better. This whole season, you couldn't have scripted better as a Texas Tech fan. Uh, seeing our former coach go down to the Boilermakers in the round of 32, after getting all this hype, after getting all this praise, uh, and then seeing what Mark Adams has done with this program, we've talked nonstop about how well this season has gone, how good of a coaching job he has done, and it just keeps on rolling. Yeah, so so let's just go ahead and, and dig into that, man. I mean, I don't see why we should move away from this glorious topic that is we are better than uh, UT's country, <laughs> country club, Chris's club. In every way, you know, whenever you break it down, we we got every single check mark over them. We succeeded as a program in every single way over Chris Beard's UT team. And I think we all wanted that so desperately, whether it doesn't even though it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things of like national tension of what people think of Texas Tech. But in our we just really wanted that affirmation that we won on the coaching switch and I don't there will always be there will always ever only be a first year Mark Adams and first year Chris Beard and we want it you know and I just it just feels good to see here at the very end of the season when that when it's completely done with that they can no longer overtake us it just feels good to be like hell yeah it does anybody is lying to you if they don't think that there's kind of a sigh of relief there for that Obviously, Texas Tech is number one. They've always been number one for us. They've always been number one for every Texas Tech fan out here, no matter what the UT fans say on Twitter. But, uh, you know, it it really does feel good uh, taking that coach who left us in the dust and completely outperforming him in every single way, like you said. Um, It it does feel good. And, um, you know, for me, I, I run the Twitter account for the podcast and we've gotten a nice following and it's, it's really cool. We appreciate all y'all for following us on that app, but you know, the, the Texas tech fans that want to pretend like Chris Beard doesn't exist and that we can't say anything or talk any crap or just, uh, just acting like we should just ignore him completely. I can't get behind that. I really can't. I love running the Twitter account. I love engaging with the fans, but man, the, the, the ones that constantly on every Chris Beard post from a Texas tech account, 
come at you and say, I don't care what Beard does. I don't, I only care about Texas Tech. It's like, okay, guy, you're not all high and mighty. Listen, it's fine to have a little fun with it. Yes, no, before I completely agree with you, I'll just say that I do understand what they are trying to establish. That, you know, we're, we're better off without him. He doesn't deserve the time of day. And that we we would just be better off forgetting about it. I understand what they're trying to say with that, but this is sports, baby. I am yeah. going to revel in every single one of his failures. I hope he doesn't win a single game. I will keep checking the scores and watching the games when I can just to see them lose. So I am all about watching him crash and burn, especially when we're riding high. Because like, like you said, like we've already established that Texas Tech already did better than them in every single way. And I mean, we swept him and now we're going to the sweet 16 and he isn't and uh, something he couldn't do at Texas Tech last year either. And here we are already upgraded back to the sweet 16, back to what we uh, wanted before. And man, no, no, I'm with you. It's I want to point and laugh every time I can, because guys, that's also just what rivalries are. I mean, what fun is college sports if you can't sit there and make fun of the, the teams that make you mad the most? Yeah. And I mean, it, it's funny because some people act like you have to do one or the other. It's like, no. Like, we don't have to only talk about Chris Beard. We also don't only have to talk about Texas Tech. We can do both. We can be happy where our program is at and happy with Mark Adams and happy with how it all ended out for us. And we can also crap on how it's ha- how it's working out for, for old Chris Beard down there in Austin. So uh, just have fun with it, guys. Yeah. It's not, This stuff isn't that serious. Uh, don't pretend like we're all high and mighty, that we need to completely ignore his existence anymore. It's just all in good fun. And by the way, um, we've done so much better than them. Yeah. And we won't be celebrating it nearly as much as the years go on. This was absolutely going to be the catalyst for all the hates this year. Um, And we can celebrate it now. And it's just there was this was just a very strange storyline. It hardly ever happens in sports like it did. And so whenever you end up as the party who succeeds outside of what everyone expected to be a nuclear bomb dropped on Lubbock in a failure sense. Uh, it just, it feels so good. And you got to, you get to stick soap in every, all the haters mouths because they have nothing to say, you know, and Texas tech is here to stay We're we're back and we're not going anywhere. And I think it just, we're just really proving that we're a new power out on the high plains. And we did it had nothing to do with some dude at, at the country club in Austin. Three sweet 16 appearances in the last four tournaments for Texas Tech. Uh, we are, I mean, new blood. You talk about new blood, this is Texas Tech. Uh, we have built a program that is absolutely elite in this sport. Uh, we have the fan base to back it up. We have the facilities to back it up. And we have the performances and uh, uh, the players and the coaching staff to back it up too. And uh, so let's talk about this NCAA tournament so far because we are just coming off a uh, fantastic win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, which, by the way, we have only played one time before in basketball. Uh, It was back in the 70s. They kicked our butt. You know, whatever. It was in the 70s. Now we're playing them now. Uh, We're just, it's it's fun. That's one of the fun things about the NCAA tournament is you're playing teams you never play. Mm -hmm. You, You are playing them once in, I don't know, 50 years. And so to play a brand like Notre Dame, I know they're an 11 seed. I know they didn't have a fantastic regular season or whatever. The ACC was down, everything like that. But just to see that Texas Tech is playing Notre Dame, you're automatically expecting it to be a fight. And uh, it was a fight down to the wire. 
Absolutely, man. And I, I know we were sweating the whole time. And, and I love the point that it's, it's fun. That's what's so fun about March Madness is you get these matchups that don't ever happen. It's kind of like pressing a random button on bowl games, but every bowl game suddenly matters way more. And it's just like, uh, and and you get to keep playing them. So it's just, it's really cool to keep get, get this good mix of teams and take it down a, a national brand like Notre Dame doesn't suck for a little, oh, I'm sorry, not little old Texas Tech, big, bad Texas Tech, oh, according yeah. to uh, head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So, Man, yeah, just an absolute sweater this this past this last night game. I, I think we all kind of felt pretty uneasy the entire game because it looked like our team felt pretty uneasy the entire game. Yeah, they definitely made it uncomfortable, and it was one of those classic Texas Tech ugly wins. And I, I will say, I woke up yesterday in not the best of spirits. I wasn't. I, I didn't want to. I didn't put anything on social media. I just put my regular old tweet. You know, I I would like to beat blah 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 today. <laughs> And then just go on with the day and just hope and pray that something happens that because you just wake up sometimes and you just have these bad feelings about mm-hmm. games that that it's going to be tight that I think, you know, some Texas Tech accounts were hyping it up saying, you know, we're playing on 11 seed. We should take care of business. No big deal. We're going to win by 20. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. And so as this game's going on and they are staying in it they're they start to knock down their threes in the second half i get worried mm-hmm. i am like oh my god it's it's gonna happen we are going to lose in the round of 32 and the season's gonna be over and i'm gonna have to, i'm gonna be really sad and i'm not gonna want to record this podcast and our freaking team showed their resilience and they showed their toughness and their seniority their veteran leadership came into account there at the end and we pulled out a game that we really did not play that well in. Yeah, man. Great point on the three pointers there, you know, kind of had the flashback to these past games during the big 12 season. There's anytime we were starting to get uh, really challenged is whenever the other teams are roasting us at the three point line, because it, it, whenever, whenever we fall apart on the perimeter like that, that's how teams stay in it because they're not going to be able to outscore us in the paint because we just won't let it happen. So Notre Dame really exposed us there. And with with how hot they were for so much of the game, it felt like they weren't going to stop. But thankfully, like you said, at the very end, we we stepped up when it mattered. Like our defense went crazy at the very end. Our defense won us at the game at the very end. And that's that's just what gives you hope moving forward as you keep going up against these more elite, more elite teams is, you know, shooting comes and goes. But defense like ours doesn't. And it just it showed last night. Yeah, and I was I was really afraid of this second round matchup, whether it was going to be Notre Dame or Alabama, because both of them shoot a lot of threes. And Notre Dame shot a lot of threes this game. They shot 28, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they have some weird percentage where they win games after they hit 10 or more threes. Like they're like overwhelmingly they win a lot of games if they so hit they 10 missed or more it threes. by one. Yeah, they scored nine threes. <laughs> so this was <laughs> this was good. And they hit their last one with about five and a half minutes left in the game. So clearly our guys locked in there at the very end and didn't allow them uh, to knock down any, you know, late threes. Uh, Cormac Ryan, who went off for, I think, 29 points in the Alabama game, held the nine this game. He only made two of six from three. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, our team, as the season has progressed since the OU loss, since the Kansas State loss, we have really cracked down on the perimeter and getting a hand in, in their face and not allowing them, uh, you know, being tight on rotations and not letting them just go off and go crazy and have a guy that just goes nuts from three 
so I, I'm, you know, credit to Mark Adams and uh, all that def- and the defensive staff and everything like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And it just the reason why it felt like is it just me or did it kind of feel like we were playing catch up even when we were in the lead for most of the game? Yeah, because it just felt like we had to score. I mean, obviously, they have to score more, but it just felt like their scoring ability just seemed more likely than ours the entire game. And that just made me nervous the whole time because it really felt like whenever Notre Dame scored, even if they didn't take the lead, it just really felt like they're about to take the momentum right back from us because it just it never really felt like we had the momentum except for maybe at the beginning of the game in that obviously at the very end when we really had it in control. It just where, where do these scoring droughts come from with us? You know, because even layups were an issue there at the bottom of the sack in the second. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't even close on some of these, some of these, we missed so many easy shots this game. Mm-hmm. It hurt to watch. And we've seen Texas tech this season go through these scoring droughts and not being able to get the ball. It seems like somebody put a lid on the rim I mean, Adonis Arms was one of five today. Shannon, one of four. Santos Silva, one of four. Davion Warren was one of eight from the field. And it's just like a lot of easy shots, a lot of shots that are right at the rim, layups, uh, wide open jumpers, just not going down for us. And, you know, that, you could look at that as a good thing, that we we were not making any shots and we still pulled out this game by six. And that's our defense. I, I think both of these games of the tournament, and we'll talk about Montana State here in a second, but – um, Montana State, a game where we scored 97 points and we pull out a really big win. And then this game, we scored 59 points and still pull out a win. So, you know, Texas, this is kind of showing that Texas Tech can win in the grit and grind and they can also win in kind of a high scoring, fast paced type of game. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, saying that even though we weren't scoring, our defense still won us the game, which was completely evident at the very end um, and making some clutch free throws. Um, yes. I think the Montana State game was a, an absolute outlier. Even coach admitted to the same. Uh, obviously, I just that's not our game. That's not how we play. Uh, but you're right. I feel I like the elite defense making sure pulling us out, even when we're going up against a good shooting team like Notre Dame was, at least in the tournament. Um, it just shows that the, the defense is built to outlast because it just felt like we survived the game. And in March, that's all you have to do is survive each game. You don't have to come out and dominate anyone. You just have to survive in advance. And it just, I feel like the defense is built for that. Yeah. And you could tell it even the last few minutes, I was talking with my dad earlier about the game and, you know, he was just like, you could tell Notre Dame, those last few possessions were just dog tired. Like mm-hmm. their guys, They've been they've been hit by a million punches this game given to them by the Texas Tech defense. Uh, you know, Kevin O'Banner down there grinding on the rebounds, Santo Silva, all those guys constantly battling. And Notre Dame just could not find a way uh, to, you know, get they had a turnover. They had uh, a mislayup. Their stuff got blocked. I mean, um, you could tell they were just a step slower. And that's what this Texas Tech team does to you is they just slowly get at you until the very end of the game. Yeah, man. You know, it was obviously a, a team, a team win, you know, our defense really stepped up. You got to have everybody, everybody playing right to do so. But who would you say really stepped up in this game? Like what, what, what player really stands out to you? It's Kevin O'Banner for this game. Yeah. I mean, uh, Mr. March in five games, five total NCAA tournament games, he's averaging 19 points a game and 11.8 rebounds. Um, that goes back to Oral Roberts' run last year to this year. Double doubles in every single game. He had 15 and 15 in the Notre Dame game. Um, he's electric. He had seven offensive rebounds. I mean, I, talk about an enforcer and a guy that just grinds. 
to get these tough baskets and to just keep your team going on the offensive side when nothing is going down for you guys. And he goes in there with just a little over a minute left, gets a really clutch offensive rebound and gets fouled, knocks down two free throws uh, to put you back up. It's that kind of stuff. And he was like that all game. I mean, Mm -hmm. he has been such a crucial part of both of these wins in the tournament so far. uh, And I couldn't be happier with, uh, with how Kevin's played. That's such a great place to put it. March Kevin O'Banner. It's it, it just fits so perfectly for it, man. And obviously Bryson Williams stepped up again. Yep. I mean, Bryson Williams and, and Ke- Ke- Kevin O'Banner have just been so consistent at the end of the season here. I, they really are our workhorses. But, you know, I'm going to highlight two other guys here first, of course, is uh, Kevin McCuller really stepped mm-hmm. up this game. He really, he just really felt like a leader out there. His leader presence was amazing, and I don't know how you could ever ignore that slam dunk at the very end. But yeah. <laughs> that was that was obviously a chef's a chef's kiss to really say no. This this game's over. Um, and Marcus Santa Silva. I mean that that awesome block whenever Notre Dame was still still seriously in the game at the very end. He pulls that amazing block clean, and then gets fouled and drains both of them. And like the free throws at the end really put us over Notre Dame, which is surprising to say for Texas Tech, because free throws have been a bit of an Achilles heel, but we still drained them when it mattered at the very end. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll respond to McCullough, and then I'll, I'll go to your Santa Silva point. Uh, Kevin McCullough made so many big plays that you needed in, in such big moments. I mean, he hit that three-pointer when you really needed it. Uh, he had two breakaway dunks, uh, one on the nice steal, and then he just plays great defense all throughout the game. I mean, He's such an underrated piece, somebody that's never going to pop out on the stats. I mean, none of these guys really do. I mean, you see O'Banner 15 and 15, that's impressive. But, you know, 14 points for Kevin McCuller, two rebounds, one assist. But he did so much this game uh, to really bring it on home for Texas Tech. Uh, Those two steals were massive. Uh, And then, yeah, like you said, Santa Silva just showing um, who he is as a basketball player. He's uh, a leader. He makes winning plays. He makes clutch plays when you need it. He reminds me so much of Noren Todiase during that 19 run where you just need a presence that has been in college basketball and been in big games before and knows what to do at the right moments. And, you know, yeah, 46% free throw shooter this whole season, his whole career, he has not been a good free throw shooter. No. And he goes and switches it up midseason, decides to shoot with the right hand. Uh, works his butt off in practice, like every Texas Tech media member would say. Uh, Marcus Santo Silva is an absolute workhorse, and you know has been trying to improve that free throw his entire career. And now he goes in the biggest free throws of his career, round of thirty-two. Your team needs two more points to go up by three, and he just swishes. I mean, they're perfect. It's exactly like nobody was in the gym, and he just went up and did his thing. Uh, in practice, knocking, swishing two free throws down in a row. Um, and then the two huge blocks at the end of the game as well mm-hmm. on the defensive side. So, uh, yeah, my hats off to Marcus Sano Silva. He is – I'm so glad that guy came back. Yeah, dude, I'm sure he would take the Odiase as a, an enormous compliment. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. very uh, a very flattering comparison as Odiase is a living legend within Texas Tech now. And I mean, I, I loved uh, when we were, we were watching the game, uh, one of the commentators was saying that Kevin McCuller was saying, you know, if we make it to the lead eight, we're legends at Texas Tech forever. I've been there. I've lived it. And he's 100 percent right. But I mean, I feel like these guys already are. I mean, they, they've already done so much for this school, like just just maintaining the legacy of what this program can be. I really loved your tweet at the end of the game saying that these are the guys that stayed and they're off to the Sweet 16 because that's what it's all about, man. 
Like winning's great, but I, I just I love seeing these guys get what they deserve. You know, they, they've worked their asses off their whole career, and they're just humble dudes. You know, they're not flashy, and they're just they rep the double T so well. And I couldn't be more proud of what they've done so far. Yeah, I mean, you're cemented in Texas Tech legacy. I mean, you mm-hmm. really are. We still talk about even the 2017-18 team that went to the Elite Eight before the Final Four run. We still talk about Keenan Evans. We still talk about Odiase. Those guys are always going to be remembered as Red Raiders. And this team is really shaping up to be that as well. And, uh, you know, uh, we're still a few wins away from the ultimate goal. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm so happy. Kevin O'Banner said it perfectly in the postgame presser. He's just like, we want to get in here and we want to make Texas Tech better than where we came in. Uh, mm-hmm. We want to leave it better than than what it was when we came in. And, uh, you know, that's just the right mindset to have. And that all starts with the coaching staff and the culture that we built here. And I mean, and coming from a transfer too, you know, just a guy that just immediately mm-hmm. buys into what Texas Tech is selling him. You know, yeah. I mean, he wants to be a part of that and be remembered for that. That he wasn't just here to be a one and done and, and get out and be forgotten. That he's there. They're there to make a statement and make a legacy. And you know, they'll be connected to the school forever. We're gonna. They're gonna keep coming back. They're gonna keep supporting Texas Tech however they can, of course. And it's just, it's been so much freaking fun. I know uh, you and me and Jackson agreed that the sweet 16 would be good enough for us. And it, it is no, don't get me wrong, but it's just, I want more. I just want to see these guys on the court more, more than anything. I just want to keep seeing them have fun and fighting for each other because the legacy is still being made. I just want to keep, I just want to see the story continue. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does. And that's every fan during yeah. March madness. You just want to see one more win, one more, keep it going, keep it going. Yeah. Uh, and that, but yeah, I think I, I want more for this team because I know that they can do it, you mm-hmm. know, with all the leadership we have, all these guys that have been here before and won big games and can step up in big moments. I just believe in this team so much. And that's why, you know, even a sweet 16 would hurt so bad because I know that these guys are final. This is a final four team if they really, really play to their strengths and and how they can. So um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, with uh, with these guys buying in, this is Kevin O'Banner, Bryson Williams, Adonis Arms, Davion Warren, Malik Wilson, Bacho, transfers, first year with the program, and they're all bought in to this culture and this mindset and, uh, you know, leaving Texas Tech better than, you know, when they came in. And that kind of stuff is is really difficult to do. It's it's a really tough thing as a and especially for a first year head coach. It's a right. super difficult thing with a brand new staff. I mean, how do you do that? You do that because it's Mark Adams and it's Texas Tech. That's how you do that. Yeah, I was just about to capitalize on that. If, if this is a preview, if this is just an appetizer of what the, the Mark Adams tenure is going to be like, I love it. You know, if we mm-hmm. keep getting guys like this over and over again, and it kind because they kind of seem like a type, you know, it looks like yeah. Mark Adams has a type that he goes for. And I love it. You know, this, these guys, the commitment, the buy, the culture guys that are just really bought in. And I don't mean culture guy as in like a lame term to use for guys that aren't very good. That just that people like to give credit to. I, I don't want to name names, but, Rock but no, but they truly are culture guys and they're ballers. You know, that's a great combo. So I, I'm just so glad that we have our captain helm humble. He's just, it's always about the players anytime anybody talks to him about it. So I can't wait for, to see how these guys wrap it up. And it's just, it's just not over yet before we're being talked about what's the, the future. Well, and that dude's a bad man. Mark Adams is a secretly, he's a bad <laughs> dude. I've seen uh, with the, with the short videos that March Madness is putting out uh, because Texas tech was chosen to be like a behind the scenes team. 
And so you, you really got to look into what he says in the locker room and some of his more fiery stuff. And you're like, this dude is, you know, he comes off as this sweet (laughs) old guy. who's just happy to be here and everything like that. But this dude gets after it and you can best believe these players are 100% bought in on just getting after it. And that dog, you know, mentality trying to get at these teams defensively and, uh, Mark Adams, I think secretly that dude's a dog. Yeah, that's it's so funny. I've I've heard I've heard former players say the same thing. It's like everyone. I don't know why everyone has this cute cuddly image of Mark Adams. The guy's <laughs> an ex boxer. He's a hard yeah. ass. He's gonna he will put you on the ground kind of guy, you know. But I, I mean that's so much, but that's the perfect kind of coach, a perfect face to the program, but a hard ass in the locker room. Isn't that what you want? You know, it's the perfect package. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I couldn't be happier with Mark Adams, but uh, something, something, he did, something he did uh, at the end of this game, too, is, you know, he hadn't switched up his defense much. It's the no middle or bust, mm-hmm. and these guys just have to play it to perfection and it'll work. What he did this game, he switched the defense late, and he didn't have two bigs in. He's been playing with two bigs the majority of the year, and at the very end of the game, he saw with this Notre Dame team, they have a ton of shooters. So we need more speed. We need more. We need length, but speed. He took out Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner, put in Sano Silva and four wings around him, and they stopped them their last few plays. And it was an excellent switch up uh, there for Mark Adams. And and that's just that's just the master at work, man. That's mm-hmm. showing uh, you know how good of a coach he is and how he's willing to switch it up and how these guys are willing to switch it up just like that. I mean. You know, haven't played a real zone with one big for a lot of the year, and then they go out and, and play it to perfection and stop them from scoring. Yeah, it's fascinating to watch an architect of such an effective defense not be dogmatic to a fault. Mm-hmm. You know, he recognize what's not working and switch it up when he needs to. It's, it's great that he finally recognized what he had to do, and he pinpointed the problem. I mean, we won because of that decision more than anything. So it's just it's just fascinating watching defensive mind be able to dissect a, an offensive team on the fly within minutes. So yeah. it's just incredible work. It just yeah, it just really, takes a genius to do so. Yeah, he really saw Bryson Williams was kind of getting cooked there the last few possessions. Uh, Wesley, the guard for uh, Notre Dame, who's fantastic. I was really impressed by him uh, for being a freshman and everything mm-hmm. like that. But I mean, they were clearly looking for the switch, Bryson Williams to. Wesley and Wesley made him pay a few times and, and Mark Adams recognized that. And he said, I'm going to put in Santa Silva. If they switch on Marcus, I trust him to guard guards. He, he stays in front of guys a little better than Bryson does. We saw it in the Baylor game earlier when he kind of, you know, made a Kinjo uh, take a tough shot there and he, he couldn't win the game for Baylor. So, um, you know, he did kind of the same thing and, and got that huge block on Wesley. So, um, you know, that's, <laughs> there are no words, man. There's no words for how, smart this team is and how well they play in really tough moments. And the, the great thing is, man, it's not over. So I, but I guess yeah. before the Duke, uh, we go, we head into the, the big discussion about Duke, uh, any touch-ins on Montana state, or is that just an absolute wash of a first round game? Montana yeah, state just, had no chance. They had no chance in this game. It's just, it just stinks, man. Like you, you make it to the tournament for the first time in decades and he just get absolutely waxed. I mean, I don't hate that we waxed them, but geez, you know, nearly a hundred points. Yeah. I, 97. That was the most points I think we've scored in an NCAA tournament game. I think that's been the most scored in this tournament so far. Mm-hmm. 
and it came from Texas Tech. Who the yeah. fucking thought? But uh, yeah. no, I mean, uh, they they had no answer for anybody on our team. We had six guys in double figures. Bryson Williams was eight of 10 on the field, knocked down four three-pointers. Shannon was awesome this game. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't so awesome in the Notre Dame game, but uh, he was limited. I don't know if there was some uh, injury flaring back up kind of thing or uh, maybe just not confidence. I don't know what happened with Shannon in the Notre Dame game, but Montana State, he was fantastic. Adonis Arms, we knocked down everything, dude. We made everything in the first few minutes. I mean, we could, we made like 11 straight field goals in the beginning of the game, and and there was just no answer for that. Yeah, exactly. This this was a game that never felt close. As soon as we got ahead, we were no looking back. We really slammed the door on them, and I think they felt the door slam in their face because it just it really seemed like we were just seeing how far ahead we can get this, and it, it never even came close from there. But I do like us seeing light up the scoreboard for once. It's not really something we do. So I well, took it. I, I enjoyed it. Hey, a lot of teams were sweating their first round game, and it was nice not to. Yes. <laughs> you could have been Kentucky. So. Yeah, oh, you could have been Kentucky. Yeah, thank, thank God we didn't get St. Peter's, man. Yes. Holy crap. They play hard, dude. They do, man. They're, they're, they're the, probably the talking tech team of not Red Raiders, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and let's talk Sweet 16 because we have a lot of good games this Sweet 16. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the West region has all top four seeds still going. So, you know, we knew it was going to be a grind, and this is where it starts to really, really become a grind. Um, You know, we we have Duke next, and we'll get to them in a second, but uh, Gonzaga, Arkansas, that's going to be a hell of a game as well. Yeah, man. I, it, the, the thing is, though, like, when we look at that and go, oh, man, scary. But the good news is everyone else is looking at going, oh, man, scary at Texas Tech, too. So That's I don't true. think anyone is feeling too good about this. Just like Gonzaga, I'm sure they don't want to meet us again in the tournament as it didn't go so well from last time we met them in the tournament. But uh, I'm sure. But obviously, Arkansas is like, let's go for round two. But, dude, what a what a what a freaking gauntlet we're in. Yeah. It, yeah. This is seriously, this is the toughest region. I kept saying that some people were saying the East. I was like, no, Baylor is not as good as Gonzaga. They just aren't like having UT as their sixth seed. People thought that was like a crazy thing. No, like Purdue's still good. You know, I'm not, you know, North Carolina, UCLA, solid teams and everything, but, uh, and Kentucky went out real quick in the East region. So uh, the West region was, and always was the most difficult. So I hate that we're in it, but you know, yeah, we had, like you said, we had to play tough teams no matter what, but right. um some of these other games are interesting, man. I, I, you know, we could talk about the Peacocks right here. I don't hell know yeah. how the hell they are gonna they're gonna stop Purdue and their giants that they have. <laughs> you don't you don't think this is a Cinderella story that's really about to take flight? No pun intended. <laughs> do Peacocks actually fly? Yeah, they is can fly. Actually, do they? Okay. Yeah, I, mean, they I, I know the meme and everything. I just didn't really know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but no, dude, Purdue. Uh, St. Peter's doesn't have anybody that's over like six foot eight, dude. And they're going to guard seven, four Zach Eady. No, Travion Williams is going to absolutely murder them. St. <laughs> Peter's needs to just make everything from three. If they want any chance and listen, they're, they're tough and they're gritty. And I think they'll actually play with them for a little bit, but it's going to be overwhelming, man. They were overwhelming for UT. Purdue is just massive. Whatever, man. I'm, I, I'm going all feathers out here, man. Peacocks all day. <laughs> I I say this is what March Madness is all about. And Cinderella is about to go to the Elite Eight ball, sir. Keep it going. I would love it if St. Peter's still pulled it out. Believe me. But uh, no, I <laughs> I do not think they will win. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, North Carolina has been a, been kind of a fun story. They go and uh, had a crazy game with Baylor. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of that. I was at the, the St. Patrick's Day Parade they have here in Baton Rouge. That's like a massive deal. Everybody drinking, going crazy. But uh, I was kind of keeping up with the score, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess North Carolina is just going to kill them. They're up by 23 in the second half. I didn't expect that, but all right, I guess UNC is kind of putting it together. And then all of a sudden you keep seeing the score, keep chipping away, keep chipping away. Baylor, not going away easy, man. And then they go and tie it and they go to overtime. And I'm like, there's no chance UNC is going to win this now. Baylor just (laughs) came back from down 23. This is going to be the biggest comeback in March Madness history. And then Baylor just runs out of steam and, and North Carolina pulls it out. Yeah, it certainly felt that way whenever uh, Baylor was mounting the comeback. I was with you. I was like, there's absolutely no way Baylor can lose this now. And But uh, my, our hearts go out to Joe. Y'all got it last year. You, you can yes. you can sit down for a bit. So, and uh, Baylor no has won enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't believe this North Carolina team is putting it together like they are. I hate it. You know, they, again, another team that's won enough at least yeah. in its history, but, uh, and about to play another team that's won enough exactly. in its history with UCLA, but it's like the absolute rich kid of a ball of a game there. So <laughs> yeah, the blue blood matchup of North yeah. Carolina, UCLA, I, I think it'll be a good game overall. I mean, obviously very talented teams. They are every single year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, uh, up and down season for North Carolina, UCLA has been pretty good, uh, all year. And, and they're obviously coming off a final full run. So, uh, interesting to see that one. Uh, in the South, we're looking at Arizona-Houston. This one is going to be fun. Go Cougs, baby. Let's go. Yeah, I think I'm with you, uh, even though... Really? You're, you're questioning it. I, there's something with Houston, dude, and I know it's petty, and I know it doesn't make any sense. I didn't like how Kyler Edwards left. I didn't like oh, okay, it. Okay, okay. I didn't yeah. like it. I, I I know I should like him. I know I should. And I. it's not that I don't like him. I like Kyler Edwards. I don't like how he left and it's always going to have a bad taste in my mouth. And I know that's stupid and I know it doesn't make sense, but every time I look at his face now, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, no, I feel that. And I'm happy for him. He's balling out. He's playing great. Mm -hmm. Like Houston is exactly the type of team that wins in March. I mean, a really relentless team on defense and they move the ball beautifully on offense. Uh, they're missing, you know, two of their best players injured out for the rest of the year. And they still just keep winning. And Kelvin Sampson is a fantastic coach. Uh, Houston's a great program. Um, so from that standpoint, sure. Uh, you know, but uh, the way Kyler Edwards left will always have that kind of bad taste in my mouth. No, I, I feel that. And you almost just want to outlast him, uh, kind of, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, I don't think it's much like it's like like any of the coaching situations, but. And you know, it's good to see him happy and and, and doing well. But it I'm is. with you. Just just the way he left, I agree. And uh, it's not like it's not like where he went was a problem. But no. uh, it's yeah. No, I mean, but I think I was just saying go Cougs because you know upset number one. You know, yeah, yeah, and and go future Big Twelve. You know, yeah, I guess I guess 12. I'm with you. Go Cougs. Uh, Arizona man, they had a great game with TCU. Uh, TCU, I can't believe they lost it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of, you know, you look back at it, they kind of got screwed over there at the end. But mm-hmm. a lot of teams have been quote unquote screwed over by the refs right. this season. It's always uh, a losing you know, team that thinks they get screwed over. So, yeah. Exactly. And, and the way I saw TCU kind of complaining about it on social media, Frogs of War was on one uh, mm-hmm. last night. So, you know, I, I don't feel too bad for them anymore. Uh, but hell of a game. I mean, wonderful uh, March game. Uh, between Arizona and TCU, but Arizona moves on. This is going to be another one of those. It's going to, I think it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Arizona has the better, the best player on the floor, but Houston, I, I think right now Houston has the better coach um, and the more experienced team. Uh, so I'd probably pick Houston in this one. For sure, man. Is it just me or the, is the ref complaining at an all-time high? It, it felt like it always the is. Notre Dame game. They're like the refs handed tech the game, even though we beat them by what about 10? So, or, or not, not, not quite six points. You know, it's yeah. what I it, mean, it always is though. I think everybody keeps kind of forgetting. And uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier from uh, NBA guys and they were talking about how they watch March Madness and they're like, Hey, you know, this happens every single year. A bunch of NBA fans go and watch March Madness and they realize the college game is, is much different, much slower, a lot more fouls. And they start complaining about the officials and uh, that's just how it always works. But um, yeah. And then you see like the Purdue, Texas game where Purdue yeah. gets 46 free throws and you're like, okay, you know, that's a lot, but um, yeah, I, people are always going to complain about the refs. That's never going to stop ever. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but I, I'm, I'm, I, it's just, it's usually the losing team that complains it. So it's it's, true. Uh, thankfully we were not the ones that were having to go on about it. Cause I know how you feel about the red Raiders and the refs. I know, you know how I feel about fans and the refs it's, it's, <laughs> it's so weak to constantly complain about the refs i commend you your 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 sheer restraint to ever complain about the refs whether it's over texting or social media or in person you, you never bring it up look they get enough of that okay they don't need me <laughs> bitching about it too they get enough of that from all of you guys out there so uh <laughs> i i might be i might be the only pro ref uh, fan out there. I don't I'm not even pro ref. I just like, I just realized that they make mistakes and that this kind of yeah. stuff happens and you have to grind it out no matter what the refs do. So, um, but, uh, next game, in happy, folks, region. number one ref fan, Steven Rodriguez you got it. Re- ref podcast. for the refs. Over Talking refs. He's always cheering for the third party. <laughs> I'm always rooting for the zebras, you know, <laughs> refs matter. Um, the, the second game in the South region, Michigan and Villanova, that's going to be interesting. Michigan kind of turned it on to kind of, uh, late season, uh, surge here. A lot of people didn't think they belonged in the tournament and they are proving them wrong. Uh, obviously the Juwan Howard situation where he went and slapped the coach from Wisconsin (laughs) and now he's coaching again. And, uh, you know, a lot of people hated him for that. And now he's succeeding and everything like that. So Michigan's kind of a crazy team. Uh, to be in the Sweet 16, uh, and then Villanova is Villanova. They're fantastic. Yeah. Man, they, Villanova is really just a staple in tournament, aren't they? They always yeah. just always seem to be there. They're another one. They're a new blood. Yeah. I and mean, they're in it every year. And I mean more so than Tech because they've won a couple championships here recently. So I'm not trying <laughs> to say Tech and Villanova are on the same level, but Villanova is definitely on that new blood status. Uh, it was just that uh, Annie was saying that there was like a tornado nearby. Oh, good. Go go into the storm. Be a real <laughs> into man. Into the storm. <laughs> into the storm. <laughs> this is talking tech live from inside <laughs> of a tornado. Literally inside <laughs> of the tornado. I have been recently impaled. My calf has a pipe going through it as I speak. I'm in immense pain. I think I'm in shock. So I can continue on, Stephen. What were we saying, Villanova, Michigan? 
<laughs> things that matter in this world villanova and michigan versus y'all potentially getting hit by a tornado um no uh this will be an interesting game i mean villanova's one of those new bloods like what we were saying obviously more so than texas tech because they've won some championships uh but and michigan's kind of this like nobody thought they'd be here team uh you know still very talented still the brand of michigan some really good players on that team but uh this will be fun no, absolutely, man. It, it, it's just kind of fun seeing a, a new blood versus kind of that national brand, that that old school that people give too much credit to all the time. Yeah. So I'm def, def, definitely going for the V probably there. Yeah, probably so. Uh, go Villanova. And then finally, the weakest of the regions, the Midwest. These guys made it out like bandits out here. Kansas <laughs> has the easiest road to the final four of all time. Uh, they, well, okay. Providence is a tough team. This is going to be their first real test here, uh, against the, the friars of Providence who can't seem to lose and seem to pull out all the stops, no matter what, they're always going to win. Uh, but yeah, Kansas Providence, this will be a big one. Yeah, man. It, we, two teams we've seen, right. Two teams yeah. that have unfortunately bested us, mm-hmm. but, um, Hey, we got, we got one on KU, but you're right, man. Just, just a, a, a definitely the easiest round here. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Providence has really stepped it up all year. They've been one of those teams that people have get doubted all year. And now they're here in the, the sweet 16 going up against probably what could be the best team in the country. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, no doubt. Kansas, all that firepower and Providence has the lucky, they have something going on The rabbit's foot. I don't know. They just keep pulling out <laughs> these wins. They are, I think Ken Palm's luckiest team still. Uh, by their luck metric, whatever they decided to do with that, but uh, this will be, be going fun. to church every Sunday. They do. They yes, very religious at, at that Catholic uh, school. The friars over there. So uh, that'll be fun. And then the matchup nobody saw coming: Cyclone Larry's Iowa State Cyclones going up against the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, the ultimate weather showdown between these two squads. Uh, this one is going to be crazy because Miami and Iowa State are completely different brands of basketball here. Bro, I'm so happy for Cyclone Larry and the Corn Bros over there in Iowa. Just to go from an absolute trash season of only winning two games last year to the Sweet 16 the next year, that's uh-huh. incredible. Has that ever been done? Is this the biggest turnaround in basketball history? I don't know. It sure but feels it's, like it's, it. I- it's it's got to be up there, man. This it's is what, definitely up there. What TJ Otzelberger has done has been remarkable, something insane. And I know they didn't have the most difficult of roads. Wisconsin was overrated as a three seed. We all knew that. Um, and then LSU was, you know, without their coach. But this uh, this Iowa State, man, they, they have done everything right that they needed to. And they've found just enough offense uh, to get it going. And their defense is killer. Uh, and they've shown it with these past two games. So uh, they held Wisconsin to, I believe, their highest turnover count in a game all season uh, and their lowest amount of three-pointers made. I mean, they only scored like 49 points in that game. So um, Iowa State has definitely been a nice surprise, fellow Big 12 team out here. Uh, and then the Hurricanes also going and upsetting Auburn and doing all that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, uh, th- both these teams have been super impressive. Absolutely, man. And, and just one more thing about the Iowa State win. I, I feel like it, it's got to feel so good whenever you're beating a Big Ten team like Wisconsin that's right next yeah. door who you get so much crap from at all times. Yeah. And just, just to come out and absolutely pop them in the mouth. It, 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 it's just awesome. So hats off to the Corn Bros. And I'm looking forward to 
one high velocity win versus another high velocity win mascot. It's just nothing but terror weather going head to head. Nothing as but I, destruction. As I broadcast from the middle of a tornado. <laughs> nothing but destruction going on between these two programs <laughs> out here in this game. Um, but yeah, Sweet 16 looking looking to be fun. Obviously, the West region is the most stacked, uh, and we are in that, and we are playing the Duke Blue Devils in the Sweet 16. Coach K's final year. He is retiring, if you did not know. <laughs> As he has told everybody, give me gifts, give me praise, talk about me for 30-minute segments on ESPN and CBS. Please give me everything. I am Coach K. I am your God. This is Coach K's final year, and we have an opportunity right now to end his career. Ending what many are considering, you know, one of the greatest of all times career, you know, sending him home to retirement early, man. He's got the, he's got this whole thing lined up to be worshipped forever in his final season. And the Texas Tech Red Raiders from Lubbock, Texas, could send that all that down the drain. And could you imagine just a better way for the season to keep going than being in that documentary of Coach K's last game ever? Oh, I want it to happen so bad. They've come up short so many times this season. Whether it was Coach K's final game at Duke, whether it was the ACC tournament blowing it to Virginia Tech, let's come let's come up short one more time, Duke. <laughs> let's lose to the Texas Tech Red Raiders right here in your final year. Uh, this game's going to be Thursday, 8.49, tip-off time, central time, uh, on CBS at the Chase Center in San Francisco, where my Spurs just pulled out a fantastic win against the Warriors. Um, but this is going to be really, really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Is this, is this Tech's biggest media game of the year? Do you think it this tops to the UT games? Oh, no, 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 no. The UT game has to be tops right now. Like, media-wise? I mean, yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I guess this is the tournament, so it's brought up a notch but i don't know i think people that texas texas tech game will be one of the most hyped up games of all time so mm-hmm. i don't know if they're really saying texas tech duke you know they're gonna hype up a game against Izzo more than against mark adams you know that's yeah. just how they do yeah yeah no for sure i i, I just you know since we're coming to the climax of the retirement tour yeah, he shower him with gifts shower him with praise I just, you know, yeah. I, I just feel like they might roll out the red carpet for, for this game at media wise. They, so. They've rolled out the red carpet for Coach K all season. So, that yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to happen because it's <laughs> happened all season. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, we have an opportunity here to end a uh, end probably the goat coach of college basketball. Yes, I know. I'm not a I'm not a K guy. I hate saying it, but yeah, that he is. He's the best coach. Is, of is all he time. less likable than Nick Saban? He's gotta be, right? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get to the point with Saban where I don't really mind him much anymore. I no, mean, not at know, all. If he, he just if wins. He goes too out much. there. Yeah, he just wins a lot. Like that's why I don't like him. But he doesn't have this like <laughs> you know bad personality or something. K's got K's done some stuff that has really been pushed under the rug. You know, yeah. with people, he's had some instances where you just don't like him, and he doesn't I like he doesn't give off a good vibe, like he's a good person. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not a big K guy. No, well, uh, let's be the ones to end him. And this is just such a huge game, and a, I, you could have asked for a better matchup in the Sweet 16, hype wise. You know, it just the, the opportunity here to be part of history is awesome, as always, and as we submit our own history. How do you think we match up against this team? I actually think we match up pretty well against this Duke team. Um, and now 
that's saying something because Duke has five to seven NBA players on this team. Uh, they, they run seven deep. That's it. It's kind of like Notre Dame. They run with seven guys throughout the whole game. They may throw in an eighth here for a minute or two, but no, they usually run seven deep with Mark Williams, Paolo Bancaro, AJ Griffin, Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach, and then Theo John and Trevor Keels off the bench. And when I say that they have seven potential NBA players, they really do. I mean, Bancaro is going to be That's a top ridiculous. five pick in the draft next year. Mark Williams is an animal. He's all of seven feet. Blocks every shot you could dream of. AJ Griffin's going to be a first round pick too, uh, and all these guys have future careers in the NBA. So Duke's just one of those programs that just busts out NBA talent all the time, no matter what. Five stars every single year, and it's a uh, you know we're going to have to beat them. Do you even have to recruit there? I mean, or do you just have to open your doors and say who's the best? Come on in, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, K gets his <laughs> choice. It's like Saban; they get yeah. their choice of whatever five star there is you know, you're going to, you're going to get them. Uh, But, you know, the interesting thing about this team is they're such a high powered offense at times. I mean, they can be, and I'm not kidding you, the best offensive team in the country at times Uh, with all the size and all the depth or not depth, but uh, different talents that they have on this team and just pure talent. When you're talking basketball, Uh, this, this team can be absolutely electric, but they don't play a lot of defense. And so you're really meaning a complete opposite clash here yeah. with Texas Tech and Duke. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they just go about this game because, you know, you can watch all the Duke you can this year. I went and watched five, six games, you know, extended highlights just to see what makes Duke go. And every team they played this year, you just can't compare it to Texas Tech's defense because they have not played – Eight, and we say this about everybody, but they really have not played a defense like Texas Tech. Yeah, so we, we we could potentially be looking at a game where it's the best defense in the country versus the best offense in the country. Holy cow. And yeah. so, and, and you think the key to the game is us being, having a decent offensive game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I was, as, as much Duke as I was watching, I was trying to see, you know, what makes them go and, and how they roll on offense. And they really live in the middle. And man, with the Mark Adams, no middle defense, I don't think they're going to have that wide open to them. You know, Michigan State let them do whatever the hell they wanted there in the middle. And uh, they played it straight up and uh, the talent was just too much for them. And the size, I mean, you talk about guys, Ben Carroll is six foot 10, Mark Williams is seven feet. Um, uh, you know, AJ Griffin's pretty big for a guard, but, um, and then they have Theo John off the bench. who's a big guy too. So, um, they just have a lot of size and, uh, you know, we haven't really played a lot of teams with a ton of size. I'd say our matchup against Oklahoma state where they have Musa Cisse, who's, uh, you know, seven feet tall. And, um, but the most interesting matchup for this game to watch is going to be Bryson Williams and Mark Williams, because, uh, Bryson, is such a key part of our offense and he's really a go-to guy and he's not going to have an easy time going up against Mark Williams. So it's kind of interesting that you, you bring up that Texas tech. I mean, uh, Duke has a placino defense like Texas tech. Could you have said the same thing about Notre Dame then? I mean, they play in the same league. Yeah. So, and I mean, we, we, we outlasted Notre Dame and they're a pretty good shooting team. Does that not give you cause for worry with how close it was the whole time? Like with how, you know, if we're only yeah, going to play a better but, version of that. 
the difference between Notre Dame and Duke is Duke isn't as good a shooting team as them, but they do everything else better on the offensive side. I mean, just getting the ball down low, getting shots at the rim, mid-range jumpers, all that kind of stuff. Notre Dame's kind of live and die by the three. And Duke can play that game. They have some talent from three, but they're, you know, they're not going to win a game by just shooting a ton of threes. And they're going to try to get the ball down low uh, inside for some easy buckets, get to the free throw line, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just, it's hard to judge how this team's going to play against the Texas Tech defense because they haven't played one all year. Absolutely, man. So, so are you expecting a, a higher scoring game or a lower scoring game? Then you like, you're already thinking more like a Notre Dame zone. I think it's going to be somewhere higher than the Notre Dame zone. I think okay. it, this game is going to probably live in the high 60s to low 70s uh, sort of thing. And I think Texas Tech pulls it out if it is that type of game. If this game gets in the 80s and 90s, you're looking at Duke probably winning this one pretty easily. Yeah, uh, it means they figured out our defense, and it means they found a way to score. Um, because you know Texas Tech can score 97 on Montana State. I don't know if they can score 97 on Duke. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll Outlier see. Outlier game. There. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if we if we want to do the Montana State game against Duke, I'm okay with it. It's fine if we want to do that. <laughs> and I, yeah, and <laughs> Duke's not a fantastic defensive team. I, I mean, I'll say it again. They. They really aren't. We can score on this team. We're not going to score like Montana State, but if we're getting guys, if we really need Terrence Shannon to be big this game, to be what he was in the Montana State game, what he was in the Big 12 tournament, we need that version of Terrence Shannon because uh, offensively, without him, we, uh, you know, you can't rely on O'Banner to be your mm-hmm. 20 point guy. You can't really rely on Adonis Arms to get you you know, 20 or whatever, but uh, we really need Terrence Shannon out here to score and to be aggressive and get to the free throw line and get these guys in foul trouble because, um, you know, the the more uh, depth they use, the better. And if they can get one of their seven rotation players out and maybe another guy in, uh, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, they disrupt that flow. And they, whenever we're already disrupting that flow with our defense. So now I, I, that that logic adds up. I guess you know a thing or two, apparently. Yeah. I mean, shockingly. Just from, well, from the short, I, it's not like I watch Duke all the time. But uh, I, I did kind of grind out some tape uh, after work today. And, and between, between <laughs> I hit the, the film podcast. room. Yeah, I, was hit, I hit the film room very hard on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the... The first thing you see on Duke, besides Coach K, of course, is uh, is Paolo Bancaro. This is this is a top five pick in the draft, probably top three, uh, potential number one pick if you're really looking at it. Uh, he's fantastic, and he likes the mid range, and he, uh, you know, he gets the ball at the three point line a lot of the time and pump fakes and makes his way into the lane. But um, you know, you just got to stay in front of him. You got to try your best to not let him feel comfortable. And that's something Texas Tech has done a great job of is not, you know, making it uncomfortable for these really talented players. We've seen a ton of them in the Big 12. But, um, you know, this is going to be this is a guy that 610 can do pretty much everything and is going to be an insane talent in the NBA one day. And, uh, you know, whoever's got that assignment, I feel for you. Uh, But luckily, (laughs) Texas Tech uh, guards as a team. And, um, you know, I, I think. This is going to be I, – I really have no idea. I really have no idea. After watching probably multiple hours of both of these teams, I just don't know until it actually happens. Well, Vegas thinks they know. You know Vegas has picked a winner, and they yep. wear the red and black, sir. 
I was so surprised to see that we were, the, I think, what, one point favorites, one and a half one point and a half, favorites? Whatever I saw. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's some love right there. And I mean, yeah. we're a three seed. So, you know, it's not like Texas Tech is coming out of nowhere, but um, I, this is Duke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Duke yeah. and your favorite. I thought with the brand alone, they would get a two, three point favorite. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not surprised though. I think Vegas probably really respects the big 12 and it respects the defense, you know, betters obviously are a little different than your big media heads when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little more, they're a little more safe with their money than they are with their words. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm excited about with this game is other than, you know, having the chance to play a big, you know, big bad wolf like Duke and with coach K is I don't think Mark Adams will have to do much to motivate the energy in that locker room because these boys are about to go out and play the big, the Alabama of college basketball. And I don't know if that really needs a lot of uh, hype up to get them going because it really felt like we were uneasy and the energy levels were a little off in Notre Dame. I don't know if it was just Notre Dame keeping us on our heels or just us not really uh, locking in, but I, I feel like I won't have to worry about that against Duke. I think, if anything, I, I don't think this team can be rattled, and I just think that we're going to come out swinging because it's it's a huge game, and we're going to feel that. Yeah, and we talked about this with Jackson when we were previewing all of uh, the tournament there. This is where the location is going to come in pretty good for Texas Tech here. Mm-hmm. Being in San Francisco, being literally across the country from where Duke is located, they're obviously going to have Duke fans there because there's always Duke fans. There's always the mm-hmm. T-shirt fans and – uh, they always have their elite that travel and everything like that, but so is Texas Tech, and Texas Tech has shown it. We were just in San Diego. Why wouldn't they be in San Francisco in a bigger game? I mean, Texas Tech is going to be there, and they're always the loudest in that arena. Yeah. Duke fans are not going to be louder than Texas Tech fans, so if we can grasp some of that energy and really build off of it this game and go on a couple runs here, uh, stop them from scoring, this will be a Texas Tech win, but um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, really interesting. Absolutely, man. You can always hear the Raider power in San Diego. Yeah. So that, that, that is pretty rocking. So just got to go some miles up north to NorCal and finish it out on the West Coast, man. I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, uh, after this game, I'm not saying we're winning or anything, but if we do win, uh, we get met with another challenge in Gonzaga and Arkansas. So uh, let's get past Duke first. Let's keep this train rolling because I'm really having a good time with it. Absolutely, man. Why not us? Why not us? Let's go. Elite eight, please. Let's get it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you, again, you can watch it Thursday, uh, 849 Central Time on CBS in San Fran. But, um, you know, I want to touch on one thing before we get to song of the week. And I know this sport goes under the radar once March Madness hits. Every sport goes under the radar once, yeah. once March Madness is here. But Texas Tech is starting off Big 12 playing baseball against Texas this year. We are going to give you kind of an update on what has happened with baseball season so far a little later in the week with our guys from the No Doubter podcast, uh, because those guys are incredibly smart when it comes to baseball. Me and Tristan, not so much. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to get you an update there and and all things baseball. uh, And hopefully we get a couple huge wins, not just with March Madness, but beating Texas uh, in Lubbock in this first Big 12 game uh, series for baseball. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Baseball season's going well. So it's, yes. it's not a bummer of an episode to turn into. It's going really, really, really well. 
Yeah, no doubt. And if you just want to break from basketball, I know you would be crazy right now to want to break from basketball, but if you're just not, maybe you're just not a basketball fan. Maybe you've just been looking at baseball all season and, um, you know, we're going to get you a little update a little later in the week uh, going on with baseball season. But all right, man, let's do song of the week and let's get the heck out of here. What is your song of the week? Yeah, uh, we're, we're stuck in the middle of a severe thunderstorm. So I'm wondering when the it, when the electricity will have to go out or when I'll have to go hide in a closet because the tornado is about to touch down. This is what I do for the treasured listeners. Of all right. And, and our Red Raiders, if they're going to go to play Duke in the Sweet 16, I can I can talk through a tornado. Right. That, that's that's <laughs> logical. Yeah. All right, man. <laughs> we're in San Francisco. I decided to kind of take break away from country music for a moment and kind of lean into the California, uh, go with a group from San Francisco, an old pop pit from all from, from our childhood and maybe some of your younger adult days out there, y'all. But it's going to be, it's going to be Train and their biggest hit, Drops of Jupiter. It's their best song. You, you know you sing along. You know you bop. You know it's a feel-good song, and we're going to be feeling good Thursday. Great pick. Drops of Jupiter is never a bad pick. It's no. a fantastic song. I know we had <laughs> many a days in high school going home, just jamming out the Drops of Jupiter. Uh, I'm sure many people have that same exact experience. So uh, that's a massive, <laughs> massively good pick. Um, and if you thought Tristan's was old, you're really going to think mine's old. I also went with the San Francisco theme since your Red Raiders are going to be in San Francisco playing against the Blue Devils this week. I am going with Take the Money and Run by the Steve Miller Band, a uh, classic. Wow. Really, really old school. But, yes, this band also originates from the Bay Area, and it's just a jam. Steve Miller Band's got some bops. Everybody knows the Joker. And so uh, Take the Money and Run, Steve Miller Band. Wow, so deaf not from our childhood. A little a little no. pre-existence for us. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit pre-existence for us. <laughs> but all right, man, that is going to do it. This is the best time of year. March Madness is still going on. Sweet 16. Let's freaking go. Blue Devils, we want that smoke. We're going to end it off like we always do with some plugs you can follow both me and Tristan on Twitter. Tristan is at Tristy Mick. I'm at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez. Follow the pod on Twitter at talking tech pod. We are this close to 2000 followers on that stupid bird app. Again, we appreciate all y'all uh, for interacting with us. We've had, uh, in, I think like 2 million impressions on that app uh, over the past month. I mean, it's been, stupid how much you guys uh like our tweets and everything like that so uh we do appreciate that from all y'all uh if you could leave a uh a rating a review uh and subscribe to the podcast on apple pod spotify uh wherever you get your podcast we're on everything uh you can follow our songs of the week playlist there on spotify and apple music but let's do it let's end it off always reckon tech reckon tech uh wow first of all uh Got a lot of respect for Stephen and Tristan. Uh, their program, tough guys, just uh, a lot of fun. I love the game of basketball, but also love West Texas. And I love Stephen and Tristan.
So I'm extremely proud. Well, I don't know where we go from here. I'm, I think I'm just going to sit back down. It's just not getting better than this. I would like to thank uh, Stephen and Tristan. This is incredible. These guys have a passion and a love for this school.